0: Is this thing on? Episode 2, Backside Ground Balls Pod, trade deadline edition. Last week, we talked about some of the big pieces that might be on the move. Tonight, as we record, we're about four hours post-trade deadline. All the moves have been made, or not made in some people's cases. Let's get into it. Trev, how we doing? Good. Doing well, man. Exciting day. It's probably... The best time of year, like opening day and then trade deadline. I
1: was saying this earlier today, more people reach out to me on trade deadline day than my birthday.
0: Yeah, I feel like I I feel like I feel like a fireman on trade deadline day, like all day, like my phone's going off and it's Mm -hmm. like, relax, this guy's this guy's not that good. It's okay to give him up. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's a good deal. This is a big deal. No, this is the stipulations of this deal. Like, this is probably how this went down. A lot of it, I'm just guessing, (laughs) but I feel, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with like fans, sometimes you just got to like put out fires,
1: weather the storm, weather the storm. That's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But that's what makes it so fun. Right. Is Mm -hmm. like people having a rational and everyone's talking about it. It was hard to not be distracted today. Like just constantly refreshing social media. Like, okay, who's going where? Like, I need I need that information. I want it. It's it's just so much yes. fun because, you know, much like opening day and the start of the season when you're like, okay, who's playing where now? Who got who? Who's going to be contenders? Like, now you have teams who are making the push. Who's going to go all in? And like we talked about last week, you have, you know, like the Braves making the creative moves last year that put them over the top. And, and you know, we don't know yet, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know how any of these are going to pan out, but it's just so fun to – to do it. And tonight we'll get into winners and losers, but uh, let's recap some of these first. What do you think? Um, we saw a flurry, kind of, it started slowly to trickle the end of last week into the weekend. Um, some around the edge moves. You know, the Phillies acquired in Mundo Sosa for Jojo Romero with the Cardinals. The Cardinals needed a reliever, Phillies needed a defense. Um, you know, the Dodgers picked up a reliever in Chris Martin. Uh, they let go of a guy who I kind of like, sent him to the Cubs and Zach McKinstry. Um, mm-hmm. And then the bigger names started to come in, right? Saturday, David Peralta gets moved from the from the Diamondbacks to the Rays. He goes for a catching prospect. Uh, the Giants made a small around-the-edge move. And then the Braves, it really started to heat up on Monday, right? The, the Braves get Hira Adrianza from the Nationals for an outfield prospect, the Padres and Brewers make a big deal. That sends Hader away. Um, and in return, the Brewers get, a, I think, a, a really good – if you want to talk about that one real quick. I know we're going to touch on the Padres because mm-hmm. they did a lot. <laughs> but let's talk about that one because we won't talk about that one as much later. But, I mean, so the Padres get Josh Hader and in return send Taylor Rodgers, Denilson Lumet, um, pitching prospect Robert Gasser, and outfield prob- prospect – I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this name – Estori Ruiz um, – I like the Brewers' end of this deal a lot.
1: Yeah, and here's why:
0: Devin Williams, right, has been unbelievable of late. He started off the season slow. Lately, he's just punching tickets left and right. It, he can step into the closer role, the high leverage role that you had Hater in for all those years. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you get Taylor Rogers back, who has struggled of late. I understand that, but he's closed a ton of games. He's closed games in the postseason with the Twins, and you also get Lamette, who to me. The prospects, like we talked last week when we went through our exercise of trying to find a spot for Soto, the prospects in this, great, don't care. To me, I was looking at the pieces of of getting Rodgers and getting Lamette. If they can figure out Denilson Lumet and get him back to the guy that we thought he was going to be, oh, man. I mean, and then you get a, a healthy, you know, Brandon Woodruff back, you get a healthy um, Peralta back, pairing with Corbin Burns. That's four really good starting pitching pitchers. And you're in, you're in a first place team, who wants to play them in a short series? You know, the offense still has some holes, but man, I, pitching can still win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, you get Rodgers, who has closing experience. So you don't have to just give it all to Devin Williams. You can use him high leverage. And Brad Boxberger's closed games before, and he can pitch in high leverage situations. So your pitching staff at Milwaukee is unbelievable. I love the move. I also love it from this standpoint. They do a good job of ownership. They don't want to rebuild Milwaukee. It's a small mm-hmm, market. Mm-hmm. They're never going to go get a bunch of small prospects. They're never going to go pay a huge contract to a guy. You know, they had CC and Prince Fielder, you know, ten years ago, now, twelve years ago. That was probably the last you're going to see of those big money guys. It's going to be the teams are going to be built the way they are now. In order to do that, you have to move on from Hader. One guys like Hader, who's going to get paid here soon in a couple of years, move on now when you can get him at his highest. You, you have guys who can step into his place and, 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 you know, you're essentially restocking without having to rebuild.
1: I think that last point you made is probably the most important is, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but they do not want the high highs and the low lows. Uh, we're going to talk about a team that has experienced that in our lifetimes and flags and pennants they fly forever there's no doubt about that but my job their job as an organization right is to make a consistent winner right Mike Rizzo always used to say at the beginning of the Nats kind of stretch where they were one of the better teams in baseball is my job is to build a 90 win team every year some years you win 95 some weird years you win 87, but if you build a 90-win team at the beginning of every year, however you want to talk about it, whether it's by wins above replacement, however that comes out, more times than not, those teams are going to have success, and then you add at the deadline, right? So the Brewers, like you said, they're not a money-spending team, they don't have a huge payroll, they can't go out and replace free, free agents players on through that route and being able to trade hater at its peak for a value right per se you know you look at the the trades of relievers and how dominant haters been the one that came to mind today was a chapman for glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. that's not what the brewers got back but like you said i think the the key to this trade is then i right? What are they going to do with him? If I'm them, I'm putting him in the minors today. He's going to be in the minors until he gets stretched out to throwing 80 to 100 pitches. If he looks sharp, if he's staying healthy and we can get him pushed out for a pennant race and be a four, great. If not... Give him a whole offseason to prepare, or if you want to use him in the shorter, longer stints out of the bullpen in the playoffs because his stuff is electric and he was great in AAA for the Padres, even then you can do that. So he kind of gives you a little bit of everything this year. I would not put him in my pen tomorrow. I feel like the longer you put him in the pen, the less likely he, be, he sticks as a starter. It's going to be a hard transition out of there. But they've had successful guys that done that. Gordon Burns was in the pen, Peralta was in the pen. Pretty sure Woodruff debuted in the pen, if I'm not mistaken, and just all those guys have come up and, and pitched out of the pen from their start. So it's something they've had success with, whatever they're doing in the offseason. And just from a Padre standpoint, like that's a win, right? You get Hader. Hater's one now. of the most dominant pitchers in in the game. Sure, you gave up. Esther e. Ruiz has a lot of helium and hype right now, but I think they just maximized on a guy that has a lot of hype right now. You know, like at, at the end of the day, like he came up to the big leagues, he was, I mean, he didn't do enough for them to supplant a very bad outfield, right? Like, think about that. Like, they wanted to get him playing time, but he wasn't playing every day, and Padres needed outfield help. So, you know, maybe there were some internal conversations about what Ruiz was, and Denil Lamet. he was, you know, the West Coast version, probably to less of extreme of- Joey Gallo just wasn't working in a Padres uniform right now, right? They had so much depth in their starting rotation. I'm sure Lamette wants to be a starter. He wants to get paid like a starter. Perfect opportunity to get rid of him. And plus Taylor Rogers, like you said, opens up a spot in the bullpen for Hader to come in and, and kind of lock down that night. Gasser is also a high strikeout pitcher, left-handed pitcher in the minors with a high ceiling and you look at what the Brewers have done with lower round draft picks that are high strikeout guys and have some good pitches and, and good profiles, and they'll probably have some success with him as well. So I think both ends on the on the whole. I think currently and probably for this season, Hader brings more value to the Padres than Rogers. Lamette, all of them, and maybe even over the next one or two. But if Lumet comes into spring training stretched out, ready to go, six, seven innings would be the pitcher he was in 2020 in the shortened season. The the Brewers are going to be happy.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think the immediate value is is with the Padres and Hayter. Um, you're trying to chase down the Dodgers, and your hand is forced, right? They're, they're consistently just going to be thought of as the, the little brothers of the Dodgers until you're flexing the way the Dodgers do year in and year out. It seems like they can replace anyone. It doesn't matter. Guys get hurt. Guys get traded out in L.A., and it doesn't matter. So if you're the Padres and you're A.J. Preller, you have to do things like this. And it makes sense because if you're the Brewers, you to run your team the way you do in a small market, you have to do it too. What do you think the ceiling of this Brewers team is this year and next year and maybe two years down the road?
1: One of the things that always is tough for me is – Everybody thinks there's one way to win in the playoffs. There's not. You're telling me Lemet gets stretched out and the Brewers are rolling Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, and Lemet. That that team can't win a World Series. One hundred percent. Even without Lemet, you get, that, that and team can win a if,
0: World Series. What if Yelich gets hot?
1: Yeah. That talent's still in there. He's going, to, like, he's going to have that season where it's like, oh, this is the Christian Yelich of old. He's going to, whether he starts wanting to clank iron in season, maybe it might be that. <laughs> but it's like, so the ceiling is get in and let your pitching take over, right? Do they still need a bat? Yes. Am I taking at least three teams in the NL over them in a playoff series if I had to pet on? My- probably four teams now off the top of my head that I'm thinking of. Yes. But when you have that pitching staff immediately and in the future, you are a force to be reckoned with.
0: Right. And I think that's the thing is, again, the Brewers, maybe their ceiling isn't, they're going to jump right to the top of the conversation as you think contender. But to your point, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Those four guys get going you have, you know, Yelich get hot. You have some of these other guys produce a little bit at the plate, and all of a sudden you've just, you just you you exceed your expectations as far as playoffs. And also, I think with this move, if you can figure out LeMet, maybe you hit on one or two of these prospects. Now you've just extended your competition window, and like you said in the yes. beginning here, now you're a 90 win team every year for three, four more years down the road, or even at the very least next year and probably the year after. Mm-hmm. And you can't argue with that, right? Now you're going to be at the top of that division. You're going to be competing for a division crown with the extra wild card berth. You're going to be a playoff contender, and at some point you you might break through. You might break through, and you never know. One of these deadlines, there might be a big time rental. You know, we might be talking two years from now that a guy that just got traded today. Who's on the, the cusp of free agency. Maybe he's a brewer for two months and helps mm-hmm. lead them to a world series before he hits free agency, just like they did with Sabathia in 08. It didn't work out for him, but they they knew they weren't retaining Sabathia, but for that year they brought him in. He went 12 and 0 down the stretch and all of a sudden they were a legit contender that year. Mm-hmm. So I just really like their model right now. Um, moving on here. Some of the other trades um, that happened, um, the Astros did, did a good job. They continued to add. They added um, kind of on the, the edges like they needed to do. Um, we'll get into them a little more later. Uh, this, the Cardinals got the pitching help they needed. Uh, they got Jose Quintana. They got him on Monday. And on Tuesday, they got Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees. So the Cardinals, who were in the sweepstakes for Juan Soto, who in our world was a Cardinal, if you remember, Um the Cardinals held on to the prospects in real life, yeah. and they ended up getting the pitching help they needed. I think getting some extra arms in that rotation is going to be massive for them down the stretch. Look, could they have used Juan Soto? Of course. They didn't end up getting him. But they still have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt in their lineup. It's not like it's a bad lineup. It's a very formidable lineup. You get a couple more starting pitchers. Who knows with that organization. Um, the Braves did what the Braves did. Um Jaco Odorizzi, Robbie Grossman, just really good moves, really good moves. You know, Alex Anthropoulos has built that team in such a good way. They didn't need a ton. They really didn't to, you know, flip Will Smith and get um, a back end starter, which is probably what they've needed because Ian Anderson just hasn't looked like the guy that, you know, they thought he was going to be. Um Huge and Robbie Grossman can do everything. He'll serve the defense, he can run. So, they did they made moves to make their team better. Did I think they're going to make him over splash? Sure, but it happens. Um, it the, the Dodgers did the same thing. The Dodgers, I'll let you go for a little bit here. The Dodgers traded for the odd man out in New York. So, all the people who were saying that the move for Ben Attendee exiled Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo was done, he was terrible. Well, guess what the team who develops players better than anyone who continuously produces people traded for that guy today. Yes. Are we going to see the rebirth of Joey Gallo? Can't yeah. you just see it now? Yes. Joey Gallo just hitting absolute moonshot home runs down the stretch and in the postseason for the Dodgers. And you can see it's going to happen.
1: The, the air in Southern California is going to make him relax. The second he gets off the plane. Like
0: and whatever Cody Bellinger smokes.
1: Yeah, I mean he he doesn't even <laughs> probably need it at this point just to get out of the pressure cooker that was New York and you know the interview he did that we kind of um, we texted back and forth a little bit about it today is just sad I guess that people mm-hmm. forget that these dudes are in fact humans people you know mm-hmm. people and I always jokingly say it's pretty hard to hit when you have 40,000 people booing you every time you swing and miss, right? Like, it's pretty hard to hit. His strikeout rates really, in terms of what he's been for his career, were only slightly high. Yes, Joey Gallo has always struck out at 35% clips. This is nothing new. So being able to go into the Dodgers, I'm sure the second he got in town, Andrew Friedman, Dave Roberts... And maybe even some of the leadership of that team sat down with him and said, don't feel pressured, right? Look no around. need. No need. Right. No need. No need, right? Worst case scenario, we have a former MVP candidate who's struggling, and he still plays every day, right? Look around this room. Look at the talent we have. We traded for you, like the Rays talk about this, like the Astros talk about this, like the Dodgers talk about this. We traded for you because we think you have something that helps us win ball games, right? Joey Gallo has something that would help even the Yankees win ball games. Am I gonna sit here and go out on a ledge and say that he's gonna have a higher war down the stretch than Andrew Benintendi? No. No, because I don't know if he's past it. Right? You still gotta deal with those mental demons, but in LA, the people that are watching the game aren't usually watching. They're usually networking. But from the Yankees side, from it, you want to go touch on the drug Gallo side of it.
0: Yeah, sorry. I just, I just think that you know, because people can sit here and say, well, he could look around the room in New York and see Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo and John Carlos Stanton and Garrett Cole and you know a bunch of proven winners and Josh Donaldson. And so, why is there more pressure than in LA? It's the culture. It's mm-hmm. The culture. Right, like the culture in New York, with the fan base, with the media, every single at bat is going to be scrutinized. Swing. And in L.A. By the end of his career, every, sure, swing, swing, sure. But and and just in L.A., it's it's going to be different. Yeah. Right. West Coast time, laid back a little bit more. A ton of talent. The Dodgers haven't been in a drought like the Yankees either. Right. The pressure's mm-hmm. on. That's crazy as yeah. it sounds with twenty six World Series. They haven't won one since 2009, and their expectation every year is to win a World Series. Yes. That fan base has been getting restless, and I think the media has been getting restless with it, and they're expecting, you know, a World Series every single season. In L.A., that has become the expectation, but it's different. They just won one two years ago. They are consistently the best team in baseball with the best record in baseball Mm -hmm. for six years now. They have a ring. It's just going to be a different culture for him. Yeah
1: and i and i just think too, i mean there a year ago maybe but i i'll be generous and say two or three years ago i'd probably use this opportunity to just absolutely rip yankee fans and enjoy every second of it but in all reality like was he i'm not going to sit here and say that he wasn't bad for the yankees right that was obvious, right? They gave up good pieces. They gave up good prospects to get a guy that they thought was going to help them win a championship. And I mean, he—you said it to me a couple weeks ago. Oh, he was bad last year. He had 38 pumps. So, like at the end of the day, he did have like 38 that, pumps. That's that is value, right? And and it wasn't with New York. He came into New York with 25. I get it. I get it. He only had 13 down the stretch. And it started to compound on him down and, and everything like that. But, you know, just so Yankee fans, you have every right to believe he didn't help your team win. You know, you have every right to, to sit there and think he sucks, right? Like everybody in MLB thinks that he sucks. But the Dodgers don't trade for players that they just think they're eventually going to release. Whether it was signing Max Muncy off the scrap heap, whether it was signing Chris Taylor off the scrap heap, they wouldn't have given up Clayton Beater if they did not think that, A, Joey Gallo was going to help them down the stretch, and B, that Joey Gallo is going to sign with them and potentially be there for the future. I would 100% bet that if he hits... 210 down the stretch, we might blink an eye, you might have 28, 30 homers playing at 11 o'clock at night, Eastern Standard, and New York fans are already, you know, sleeping.
0: In bed. Uh Yeah,
1: you might wake up and and this dude might be hitting 180 with 30 bombs going into the playoffs. The Dodgers are inking him to a contract, because that's what's next year, banning of the shift. And guess, what that, guess who that helps? Maybe is more that than go up, no Yeah, doubt. at least you get, you know, that might be an extra 20, 30 points in on-base percentage, right? And he doesn't have to feel like he has to hit every ball a mile to get a knock. Maybe he's more confident to get miss on top and beat one 98 into the ground, into the hole. That isn't, you know, he came up and that was an out every time. But, you know, from the—and and we'll probably get more in-depth on, on why I love this side of trade for the Yankees is— Clayton Beater is, has elite stuff, right? You're putting him in an organization that has done elite things with player development, especially since Matt Blake took over, and they have a better understanding of the pitching analytics. I mean, you look at what they've done with Clay Holmes and Esther Cortez, Michael King, and what I'm sure they're going to do with Trevino and Scotty Efros. And just putting that all into perspective, they didn't go to the Dodgers and say, we want four utility guys like no. Oakland A's have historically done over the past couple years and we're gonna get into them a little more. They and said, they, give me your best prospect with the highest ceiling for Joey Gallo, and that's it. We're not going too far.
0: At the Joey Gallo value, right? They they understood yeah, what the value of the guy they were trading was. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get in we'll get into the Yankees a little more in a couple minutes. But just to To finish us off here, I think the Twins did a really good job because the Twins are in an interesting situation. They're another team where it's like they're a division leader, but what's their realistic ceiling in that league? I don't know. But to go out and get Jorge Lopez, who's quietly been arguably the best reliever in baseball, anytime you're punching out dudes the way he is at the clip he is, not allowing base runners at the clip he is and preventing runs at the clip he is, he's in the conversation. Um they um, also get Tyler Ma- Mailey um, from Cincinnati, who I thought Cincinnati did a great job at this deadline. And, you know, Mailey, that's a guy. It's like a perfect fit for Minnesota. You, mm-hmm. They don't need a flashy name. Go get the guy who, who is 28 years old and has a really high upside still, who has yet to flash his best stuff, who's coming from a pitcher's ballpark, or I'm sorry, a hitter's ballpark where his home road splits are just insane. Right? He was getting mm-hmm. smoked at Great Am- American Well. Guess what? Ball doesn't travel in Minnesota at Target Field like it does uh-huh. in Cincinnati. So you turn Tyler Maley around, and, and you know, that Twins team got a lot better today without making the big you know news, really. No one's talking uh-huh. about it. Um, I don't want to sound like a homer here, but I'll touch on it. I thought the Phillies, for the first time in years, have did a really, really good job at the deadline. Because, you, you know, much like the New York market, Philadelphia fan base wants the biggest names. They want Luis Castillo. They want Montas. You know, they – they understood why they weren't in the soda discussions, but they want—that's who they want. That's <laughs> that was what would satisfy them. Um, but they go out and, and what do they need? They didn't need Flash. That lineup is loaded with names. This roster is loaded with names. They needed a back-end starting pitcher. They needed a defensive. They needed some defensive help up the middle, and they needed another reliever to bolster the bullpen. Well, they go out and they get Noah Syndergaard and Brandon Marsh from the Angels. So now you take a a, a guy who you're buying. Low on in Syndergaard to be your back end guy to fill the place of Zach Eflin, who's on the 60 day DL. Good because you you now have five pros, right? You have two frontline starters. You have Ranger Suarez, who's an innings eater, and ever since he, he hasn't given up a run since he came off the DL in early July, you get, you know, Kyle Gibson and Noah Syndergaard, who have been around the league and they, they just know how to pitch. huge. That's huge. Value. Yeah. To then add Brandon Martian and Mundo Sosa, who, you know, going kind to of play defense for you up the middle something that you haven't done a good job of and now Didi gregorius who's clearly past his prime it was a bad contract dombrowski did it uh to please ownership to please the fan base when he first got in i think he would probably regrets it well here you go add another defensive first shortstop who can play part-time then you get a center fielder who can play there every day you've been platooning two guys who aren't very good defensively. They DFA O'Double Herrera doing it. And now you have someone who can run around and make the play out there in between, you know, whether it's Harper, who's back out there, it's Castellanos and right, Schwarber and left. Those guys aren't defensive first guys. Now you got a guy who can go gap to gap and Marsh and you're buying upside. You're doing it and getting a 24 year old under control, under team control. And you're, you're saying he's, you know, he's tools out, right? So go get a defense first guy. And then they, they bring back David Robertson, which is a great move because, going into the deadline what no one wants to know because the lazy narrative is that the Phillies have a bad bullpen is if you look at their stuff plus rating, they're sixth in baseball. And since they fired Joe Girardi and I hate to do this, but I think there's some correlation that they have a, they have a top 10 bullpen in baseball since then. So now you've just bolstered even more. Sir so Anthony Dominguez looks like a star out there. And now you get a guy who's a veteran who's closed games before this time around, he's going to be healthy for you, you know, ever since Jose Alvarado became cutter first he's been much much better um Brad Hand is is not and Corey kniebel are, are now in situations that they belong in at this point in their career they're no longer the the ninth inning lockdown closers they're guys who you pitch in the 6th and 7th inning in not as high leverage situations, that's perfect for them. And the guy who's really saved their bullpen all year is a guy that they, they signed on a minor league deal, in and Andrew Bellotti, who's thrown huge innings for them in situations where they needed him. So I think the Phillies did a really good job. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for them competing and trying to break a, a, a playoff drought, kudos yeah. to them. Um, you want to get into some winners and losers here? Yeah. Let's start with our losers. We'll finish off the pod with the uh, – being nice. So, Losers of the Deadline, we both got a couple here. We'll start with yours. Give them to me. Give me why.
1: So, um, my f-
0: also, the, we have a clean rating on Apple. So, when you, when you get into to the A's here, just, you know, remember that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> try, try, not to, try not to cuss, you know. This is yeah. a family show.
1: Yeah, the A's have a, a soft spot in my heart because of obviously my bias of my favorite pitcher in their minor league system friend of the friend of the pod friend of the pod but just i mean where to start right you go you have Frankie Montas who obviously is a asset right he's got mm-hmm. the shoulder injury which probably took Names like Peraza out of the conversation. Dominguez maybe out of the conversation, right? But what did we talk about in the last episode? What do the A's need? They had need high-level talent. And what did they do? What, what What exactly is that trade that they moved Frankie Montas? You think the Yankees are complaining about losing J.P. Sears, Ken Walterchuk, Luis Medina and Cooper Bowman. Yes, nope. they're good prospects, right? Walter Chuck has been one of the best pitchers in the minor leagues in terms of strikeouts this year. But A, Oakland's where prospects go to die, so everybody can forget about him in a month when Walter Chuck is trying to throw sinkers down and in when he's got <laughs> high spin. And secondly, you you didn't change your minor league system. Oakland with that trade. You didn't bring in an impact talent. You didn't bring in an impact talent for your major league team ever. Even if Walter Chuck reaches his ceiling, he's a two. Like that. Why not take those two pieces? Yes, you sold low on Trevino. That's fine. But the Yankees are licking their chops right now, going, yeah, you probably destroyed him. Well his stuff right because his stuff still Still plays I don't care what his numbers have been Still plays and Matt Blake is the Pitching whisperer Uh right now And what do the Yankees do Right they get pitchers with From their bullpen alone with one elite Pitch right Scotty Efros has like Two or three
0: different angles right from Different angles different slots and Different different things
1: and what do they do Have them throw that pitch The most and Mm -hmm. Understanding where to locate it Hey Clay Holmes, your sinker has a ton of horizontal movement. Let's just throw everything arm side. You think somebody's getting an extension on ninety seven into a righty, and then you that's have a lefty would be comfortable. Yeah, and then you have a lefty chasing off the plate. But that's besides the point. So they're going to fix him, and he'll be pitching high leverage innings for them down the stretch when a Raldish Chapman's coming out of the bullpen in the fifth inning for that team. In which, like, uh, yeah, take
0: a second, real quick. To realize that Aroldis Chapman, who's been the most dominant reliever in baseball for the last decade. Yeah. But he still <laughs> throws a million miles an hour. I know he's a little bit over the hill. He's
1: going to be pitching no yeah, leverage. No leverage. But to take Frankie Montas, and I've been biased towards Frankie Montas for a very long time. Right, Me and you had, had a conversation in 2020, not last week. Years ago. Not years last ago. month. What did it say? Baseball Savant. Baseball Savant. It, Car- Carlos Correa is free to ex- everybody. It, yeah, it's free to everybody. What did he say about Tyler Maley today? <laughs> you go to his Baseball Savant page, and there's a lot of red. And he's right. There's a whole run difference between his ERA and his expected ERA. Mm-hmm. So these are, it's, and the A's, I mean, you should have more information than Baseball Savant. We shouldn't even be tapping into the surface of what information you're using. What kills me about the
0: A's is they're credited with being the start of this revolution, yeah. and they are now so far behind everyone else. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm tr- I don't want to bury people too much, but th- we literally just talked. We did this trade. Me and you did this trade last week. Yes, and we talked about get a guy that'll. Change your farm system and excite guys.
1: One you don't one. think the
0: Yankees would have given up Jason Dominguez for Frankie Montas? And if you one. were going to throw in Trevino, you could have then gotten your second
1: prospect. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe maybe the shoulder concern took him off the table. Maybe that's what they came out with. But, but I, you're I telling I just... me
0: that they couldn't have pinned the Yankees against another team? Because now you're talking about a guy who, again, they started this revolution. There was a book written and a movie made about he fleeced everyone in trades. You couldn't have picked, like, okay, the Yankees were concerned about his shoulder. You couldn't have called, I don't know, 10 other teams oh. that would have taken him.
1: And you look at what the Mariners got for Luis Castillo, and I'm sorry, but other than the shoulder, they're not that far apart. No. I just do not, like, stuff-wise, I actually would take Montaz's stuff over Castillo. I truly right. do Castillo's believe learned that.
0: how to pitch a little Leans bit. Learns how to pitch That's a little bit. where he's taking the turn, and Yeah.
1: And and you look at what Frankie Frankie Montas has untouched potential when he gets to Matt Blake, and then the last part of that makes the A's a loser is, and I'm going to take a second here and pull this up on my phone because I sent it to you the other day is Frankie Montas. This, by the what way, is he, what is he going to do that's going to make him different? Like if I'm the Yankees and I'm bringing in a guy where I know what I'm getting right. You you have to have, like, that's fine, but you have to make trades, and this is what Cashman did really good, of milking every ounce of potential out of every guy. That's what Matt Blake is there for. That's why Matt Blake got hired. What is Matt Blake going to do the second Frankie Montage shows up at that clubhouse? Is Eliminate
0: a pitch from his repertoire.
1: Let's just say, like, you know, you have he has an elite splitter. Everybody knows that one, right? He has two above average pitches that he uses less than twenty percent of the time in his slider and his cutter. His fastball has above average vertical movement, right?
0: Let's not even talk nothing about
1: crazy yeah, nothing crazy, but it's red on baseball savant, right? His sinker has That's a
0: good thing for anyone who doesn't know. Yes. When you go to baseball savant and you search a player, red means they're in the top. Well well above average, yeah.
1: Right, well above average. Go ahead. So his his sinker movement profile, good, right? Above average, horizontal movement. But let's just, okay, so all of his pitches move at an elite rate, right? A lot of red on that page, a lot of tough at-bats, a lot of broken at-bats. So what do you go to next, right? If you have five elite pitches in terms of movement, or let's say well above, he has a couple elite pitches, but well above average. What's the next thing you go to, right? So if you look at Frankie Montaz's statistical batted ball profiles, his expected slugging on his four-seamer is three ninety eight, which pretty good for a four-seamer, but usually those are the pitches you're throwing in 2-0 hitters count, so going to see some da- damage. Split finger, 277. Slider, 396. Cutter, 400. So you'd suspect that would be a pitcher who has an expected slugging of 400, right? Which is below average in the MLB today. Sinker, expected slugging percentage, 530. You know how long it took me to find that information, Dan? Two minutes. Two minutes for me to go on baseball. And guess what pitch he throws 22% of the time? The sinker. And it's giving up I don't, 530 MVP level contact. Like, we've had this conversation
0: five. a million times. A million times. To- and with different guys, too. You can go all around the league. I mean, we, we yes. talked about this at the start of COVID with, with Shane Bieber. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. All right, give me. <laughs> Give me your other loser. Be quick. Be quick about it. Um, <laughs> Who's your other it's, loser?
1: It's the Cubs. And even if you sign, this is one thing I, I've never understood. You brought up the tampering point today, and may, maybe, maybe I don't know. I feel like you. Yeah, pick I don't up know the phone major league and, baseball rules. Yeah, offer a contract at any time and, and kind of talk specifics with it with an agent, especially when they're under contract. But Ian Happ, right? That's Wilson if they're Contreras, under
0: contract. I think they're. Yeah, you can you can. Talk I don't about.
1: know. Go ahead. It's, so, yeah. Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras obviously love Chicago. There's no denying that. There's probably a good chance that they could sign long-term. The Cubs are going nowhere this year. Not to mention you trade your best reliever and your best asset for eight years for weird trade. Weird trade. I mean, yeah, yeah, Weird right, trade. Yeah, I, <laughs> Then you hold on. So you have a guy who is literally rookie eligibility this year in Scott at who's going to go to the Yankees and become a household name in terms of bullpen arms. Right, everyone's going to know who he is. And then you turn around and keep Ian Hap and Wilson Contreras, who are free agents this year. And, and on the whole, if, if you've re-signed both of them, Wilson loves Chicago, Hap loves Chicago, that's fine. But what I've never understood, and this is what makes them a loser for me, is how do you not bring Happ? and Wilson Contreras, and whoever their agent is, and just sit them down and say, hey, for the long haul of this organization, we need to move you. Man-to-man, business, You guys, could, we could move you to, Chicago, or to L.A., you could love it there, sign an extension, that's what we're running the risk of. But, we will make a play for you when you hit free agency. And we will In make 2000- a legit play for you.
0: In 2017, the Yankees had Aroldis Chapman and Glaber Torres on the roster.
1: Yes, after trading Aroldis Chapman for Glaber Torres to the Cubs, the Cubs were the receiving end of that. And people think it's it's, like personal, right? To be true, maybe it
0: is, and and maybe Scott, you know, I don't know who their agents are. I don't think half is represented by Boris, but I, I I get that agents probably don't want guys to agree to that, but at least tell them you're going to make a play for them in free agency.
1: Make a play. I'm not, telling, I'm not asking you to sign on the dotted line. I'm just saying that our ownership is committed to getting you back in cubby blue, and we are going to be one of the first teams to call you the day free agency hits. That's all I'm guaranteeing. I'm not guaranteeing numbers. I'm not even talking about numbers. You don't even have to cover it. Just I will, re- I will touch base with you when free agency hits, but we have to get something for you now. We're not winning this year with you. You go go in a ring. Go ring chase for us. Right. But we are not getting, and and that's just what doesn't make sense to me.
0: No, it makes no sense. Um, My losers here, uh, much like your feelings about the A's, the Rockies were the only team in Major League Baseball who didn't make a trade deadline deal. Colorado Rockies who have not done anything in years outside of maybe a wild card berth, who have traded Nolan Arenado for nothing, who've lost Troy Tulowitzki for nothing, that deal ended up being fine, but still. The Rockies who signed Chris Bryant in the offseason and didn't really do anything else didn't make a deal A team that's going nowhere, a team that is perennially bad, who could really use a facelift, who, again, much like the A's, could use some excitement, who has some pieces that could be moved. The the number one being their closer, who's a reclamation project, Daniel Bard, who's done a great job of refining himself in a career, who's become a lockdown closer for them, a back-end guy, reliable. Not only did they not trade him, they signed him to a contract extension. And to spit in the face of their fans, this is, I'm going to read this quote. This is from Nick Groke, who covers the Rockies for The Athletic. Tweeted today, asked about the Rockies being the only team to not make a deadline trade, Bill Schmidt said. We were also the only club to sign a player to an extension at the deadline. Twenty-nine other clubs didn't sign anybody to an extension, except for the Braves signing Austin Riley and the Padres locking down Joe Musgrove. So not only did you not make a deal, but you don't even know what you're talking about. What? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And that's it. That's all. That's all yeah. they. That's all they deserve from us. That's well, it. Uh, yeah. My other loser. My the loser. This is sour grapes. We can get this more. I don't. I'm not. I don't like him anyway. I can't stand him. I don't think the Mets did enough. The Mets moves were weird. They got. They made a bunch of really small moves prior to the deadline. Daniel Vogelbach, who I'm not sure what value he adds. Really thump. Anyway, thump in a lineup that needs
1: thump. That's
0: about it. How much more thump is he adding than? Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. They really needed a catcher because they signed James McCann and paid him a bunch of money. How they couldn't get a deal done for Contreras? Again, to your point, it might be on the Cubs, but like there was no one else. You were bidding against yourself, and you let him stay there. You could you want thump in your lineup? Go get Ian Happ. Go yeah. go get an out. You need you. Ian Happ wouldn't look good in the corner outfield for New York. I mean the. I get it. You know, and they're going to bill Degrom as their big move, and I get that getting yes. him back is great. But Ian Happ or Darren Ruff, you mean to tell me you, the, the guy who bought the team laughs because they named the second tier of the luxury tax after him, Darren Ruff? He's He's going to allow them to go get Darren Ruff instead of getting Ian half And maybe I'll eat crow on this because the Mets are already a first-place team. They're really good. They didn't need to but you could separate yourself. I'm not so confident that they're not going to get chased down by the Braves. No. okay, Because I think the Braves are, are that good and they're that hot. I'm not confident. Well, I know, yeah. too. Right. And I, I'm not confident that the Mets can beat some of these teams in the playoff series. So to, not, to, to have an owner who's so smug, smug about that anyway, and sure, you want to talk about DeGrom – being the biggest addition at the deadline, that's great. But your pitching hasn't been holding you back. To your point, you no. needed a bat behind the plate. No. You needed yeah. a, a thump in, the, in in the outfield, and you don't you don't get it. So yeah, it's great to get the ground, but has your pitching been the issue? No, you have been winning with pitching anyway. Yeah, you know this isn't again. I don't want to sound too much like a homer here, but this isn't Bryce Harper who's going to come back to the Phillies lineup and like that. That that's a guy who yeah. plays every day, and they've needed some runs. They mm-hmm. have. They've needed some more consistent offense, and you're, they're going to get Bryce Harper back. You get the ground back, great. You've got you had Scherzer back. You've had guys all throwing the ball well over yeah. here. I didn't love that. Um, yeah, let's finish no. on a high note. Give me your okay. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I'll yeah, let you. No, know. I, I do want to. I do want to get in on the mats a little mm-hmm. bit, and you know, like you said, it, it's just again like people could have been saying the same thing about the Braves, but the Braves were around a 500 team last year, right? When they made those right. small moves at the deadline that made a difference. Like the biggest point you made is you need to separate yourself, right? You're being chased and, and mm-hmm. your pitching was not the problem. So adding DeGrom to a pitching staff that was already really good is, is great. And, and it does help you in a playoff series. And they could very well ride this team out to a World Series. Sure, right, and even a World Series victory in the fact of, but when you have an opportunity to just flat out add something, a bat, something when you know you're over here being, whether you want to call it stingy with your prospects, whether you want to call it just not looking for the right guys, I don't know what the whole of it was, but it just that lineup does not scare you, right. Like, when you're rolling into Dodger Stadium and you have to go head-to-head with Clayton Kershaw versus Max Scherzer, Walker Buehler versus Jacob DeGrom, your pitching staff ain't as cute when they have Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, if he ever figures Mookie. it out, Max Monsey if he ever figures it out, Mookie Betts, who's the best player on their team. And then they'll throw a platoon to you in right field or left field that's going to be elite. It's like what if and what if what if you end up in
0: a division series with San Diego?
1: Yeah, I mean, I tr- I I don't know how much I love the Padres pitching staff on the whole. No, in terms but that of offense can score that, on you, but that offense can score on you. And what what's everybody going to say? Well, good pitching beats. Good hitting in the playoffs, yeah. But I'm sorry, but Juan Soto Ask the Royals took, that question. Yeah, and he just took Max Scherzer deep last night. You think he can't do it in a freaking <laughs> playoff series? You you don't I mean, think he's ever gotten the, and the, the 2000... a barrel off the ground?
0: Or barrel play... off Garrett Cole in the
1: World Series? Oh, the the barrel off of do do we need the list of guys no, we he don't got either. in the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, Josh Hader, the most uncomfortable (laughs) lefty-on-lefty at bat, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Rios, Garrett Cole, and Justin Verlander, all got... Yeah. So you think Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer are coming in there and just absolutely getting that lineup who hits elite pitching to go 0 for 20? Yeah, sure, they might be... Max Scherzer can expose Aaron Judge. Yes, he can. Because of the mix of pitches that he has, correct. But you just not you cannot and, rely on that too much. You have to score to win.
0: You have to. Thank you.
1: And the I three just, run home run wins in the playoffs anyway. Sorry to cut you off, but I I've been holding no, you My chest for a while. And
0: this and we're gonna and obviously we're reacting to this because that's the fun of it. We're reacting a little bit, but tonight in the first game since the Nationals shipped off their two best hitters. The Nationals beat the Mets 5-1. Jacob DeGrom went five innings in his first start back. Gave up three hits, one run, six Ks. He's so
1: good.
0: And you lose 5-1. To, to a Nationals yeah, goes, team who is probably the worst team in baseball after today. No, Not even a question. Uh, right. That's, so, he, I, And I know it's a regular season game. I, I'm reacting, but I'm just saying. He, the cool, offense Corey, gave DeGrom Corey nothing.
1: Abbott, Corey Abbott is not... Clayton Kershaw or Walker Buehler, and, and again, like you said, in a road probably, in a road playoff environment, can you can you tell we started a podcast? We're getting clickbaity here and and going hot. We are people. getting clickbaity here. I'm sorry. All right, let's go to let's go to winners. Let's
0: let's finish. We're getting long here anyway. Um, let's hit winners real quick. We've touched on a, a good amount of them. Um, yes, we talked for hours about Soto the other night, um, but go ahead, give us your winners.
1: Yeah, so um, I'll start with the Padres. Obviously, you're able to get the best player, and and I mean honestly, kind of under the radar now, the best reliever in baseball. I know he's had a rough stretch yep. here down down, but you're talking about a guy who, I mean, you could argue he's had a rough stretch, or he's just given up the runs that he probably should have given up when he get when 11 shutout straight months. Um, maybe it's just law of averages catching up to him. So he's destined to give up one run eventually. So you're still getting that guy to pitch to the back, back of your bullpen. Plus he's definitely going to be still available to pitch two, three innings in the playoffs and, and be elite and dominant in that role. Interesting to see how Trent Grisham and Josh Hader hang out together. Um, that'll be, I saw that somewhere. That is a <laughs> blast from the past, but you know, Being able to get Soto, I know in the last podcast we said he was going to be a Cardinal, but if you, not to toot our own horns, the reason why he isn't a Cardinal is because they wouldn't give up Dylan Carlson, which we would, and you know we could probably say that the Cardinals are a loser for that, if not for what else they did. Um, Holding on to Dylan Carlson for Juan Soto, I'm sorry, but that doesn't get it done with me. The Padres went for it, and if you remember on the podcast, we did have a little bit of a talk about that. I we would not be surprised if this was the package, and it got pretty close. And I really think, looking at it even more, they did better than we even gave them credit for. Um, yes, you know, being able to get the James Woods of the world and the. Jarvis... Susanna. Suzanne, who was the number one pitching international signee of last year, so that's why he's so low on MLB.com. Reminder for any fans out there, Mike Rizzo does not go to MLB.com to find out what prospects he likes. So, they could value James Wood higher than C.J. Abrams. I wouldn't imagine they're valuing Hassel. He's probably the the top piece coming back over Gore, but being able to Finish off that package with guys like Wood, or you could even say guys like Abrams and Susina as the throw-ins. You did great, right? Like you, you did exactly what you needed to do from a national standpoint and from the Padre standpoint. Is you just got the guy. Right, you just got that guy has never been traded. We might not ever see a trade of a player of that caliber again.
0: And you and you got Josh Bell, who and Josh
1: Bell, and then sneaky in another breaks. move, s-
0: s- sneaky breaks, right? Because, of course, in that movie, is overshadowed by Soto, but then in another move, they give up another pretty good prospect and shortstop, Victor Acosta, but they get Brandon Drury. So it's like, yeah, who's gonna play nine hey, positions for him, 11?
1: And you get rid of the most overrated player in baseball in Eric Hosmer.
0: Yeah, and they managed to get the, the Hosmer contract off, which is hysterical. He was initially involved in the Soto package. Um, it ended up being void, Voigt, but Hosmer has a no trade to, to D.C. and wouldn't waive it. And so he ends up getting unloaded to Boston, which is good for Eric Hosmer, I guess. Um, yeah. And then re- one of my winners, I thought, was the Nationals because of what they did in that package. To get, to package Soto and Bell together, I think, is genius. No one saw that coming. And mm-hmm. to go out and, like you said, to get the haul they did for a guy they weren't going to be able to re-sign. Yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow, Nationals fans. I understand it. You're not returning The, the banner knowledge. flies forever. And you mm-hmm. know what? You just put yourself in a good position. Who knows if good these prospects, position. that's up to you now. You have them. Yeah. You got them
1: developed. Who knows
0: what they're going to do? It's up to you now. But you were in a really tough position, and you made mm-hmm. the absolute best of it. There's no and, question in my mind.
1: And look at what Mike Rizzo did that the Oak, we've talked about the Oakland A's haven't done. Mm-hmm. He did it last year with Trey Turner and Carver Ruiz. he? Or Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to get Carter, yeah, Max Scherzer. I agree. Is he got the best play. He did what he needed to do to get the most impact talent in one deal, right? Is Bell what did that? You know, what took that deal to get that next piece? Maybe. I don't know. You know, we don't know the inner workings of why that deal was done the way it was, but... Being able to get high-impact talent and the most high-impact talent is exactly what he was trying to do, and that's why you've seen him package these guys together. Is he saying, screw selling, you know, Josh Bell to the Astros for whatever they gave up for Trey Mancini? No, I'm going to package him in with Soto just so I can get that young guy with a high ceiling and get the Padres to budge off him. So, great job on him for that. Also, I mean, we're looking at CBS Sports right here. Jordan Gershens is no no longer a Toronto Blue Jay. That tells me they've given up on him. They traded him for a reliever. Given up. Given up on him, the talent. So, I mean, let's see if Miami can (laughs) fix him.
0: That's exactly what I said, and I'm worried about the Marlins trying to fix them. but that's a story for another day. Um, Yes. Just real quick, my winners. I I really liked what the Astros did um, to get Christian Vasquez, a guy who they needed some help behind the plate to do it and get him for the cheap. Mm -hmm. Just the Astros always do a really good move, really good things. I love the Mancini move. Again, to, to give up kind of minimal, to get Mancini. I think that trade worked out for the Orioles as well. But to get Mancini, who's just going to finish that, like, he's an Astro. He, he It's so perfect. He's an Astro. And then, sneaky, getting Will Smith, you don't – if there's one team in baseball who's going to, to help a reliever who was dominant in the postseason last year, refine that form, I like my chances if, if he's in Houston. Yeah. I mean, I know they lost the godfather, but – I I like my chances with him in Houston. So they did a great job. And then go M's, baby. I mean, they they pulled the big deal. They got Luis Castillo. Um, They did it before anyone else was making trades. They did it on Friday. Mm -hmm. They gave up a pretty big haul for him. But like we said last week, go for it. Go for it. Kind of when we talked about them maybe being in on Soto. They went for it. They got Castillo. Now they have a legit one to pair with some other yep. really good pieces. Guy who won a Cy Young last year and Robbie Ray, Logan uh-huh. Gilbert, George Kirby. Really good job by the Mariners. Really good job. What they do today, they they made their big move, which allowed Jerry Depoto today to make really small moves that'll help. They would really like at catcher, so they get Kurt Casale from the Giants, which was a, a fantastic move to me. They get Matthew mm-hmm. Boyd, a little more help arms-wise, and they get Jake Lamb. Take a flyer on Jake Lamb. You need a lefty bat. But unfortunately, in that series that the Mariners just had in Houston, they were hitting an IL, like you know, dropping like flies in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, J-Rod goes on the IL. Ty France does as well. So go take Jake Lamb. Get what you can out of him, squeeze it out. But to get Castillo for that fan base, and I, for me, the Mariners and the Astros. and Yeah. Um, the Nationals just did had really good days today.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I, I definitely think that both those teams made themselves out, you know, pretty good in the end. And for my last winner, um, I know we talked a lot about the Padres. Obviously, they're going to yeah. be the big, the big winner for the foreseeable future. And we'll probably <laughs> be talking about this trade deadline um, for a long time. But, you know, the Yankees and being able to Unbelievable get guys job. that are a fit is what we talked about in the last episode. I think Frankie Montas is a better trade asset in terms of the value you gave up than Luis Castillo is because, like we talked about earlier, you milk every ounce of potential out of that guy. Right. You take a buy low on Trevino, make him what he was. Right. Being able to get Clayton Beater back, who was a first-round talent, first-round stuff. The Dodgers have a luxury of guys like that. Yeah, of course. He could have just been the next Mitchell White, who they just shipped off to Toronto as good stuff and all that stuff like that. But they're like, we got 15 more of those. But the Yankees could build him into the next Michael King or somebody of that nature that's coming out of their bullpen throwing 98 to a hundred and just being able, obviously the Andrew Ben Benintendi deal we covered on the last podcast of that contact first guy, kind of being able to pencil in in their lineup and play good defense and, and do the little things. Well, that, that might help in a playoff series when, you know, judge is going to have the big three run home run, but he's also going to have some tough at bats. Whereas Benny's going to take some pressure off him and, and put some pressure on the pitchers on the whole. So, you know, just looking back at it, Harrison Bader, you know, weird deal from some perspectives, you're not gonna play till late September. But remember the Yankees aren't playing for late September. They're not no. playing to win games in late September. They're playing to the win games in October and, and early November. And the Yankees have led the MLB in defensive runs saved this year, and the one position that they've had a negative in is center field. Now you're able to do so many things late in the game. If Matt Carpenter starts against a soft-tossing righty and you're trying to get him to hug the pole, well, he played, he goes two for three with a walk and plays seven innings, and then you bring Harrison Bader up the middle, move Judge to center, to right field where he plays elite defense as well, and you go lock that game down, right? Okay. Well, and also I Anthony, think – Yeah, you go.
0: I was just beater, – beater, beater and Bader, you get those two guys back – Um and you're replenishing. Bader yeah. is just signed a two-year deal, so you have him for next year. So even if he yeah. only adds defensive replacement value in the postseason, who knows? He's plantar fasciitis, and that can be tricky, obviously. But he got him for next year too, and kind of yeah. center fielder. They did. They just did, some job, they did such a good job because you trade all those prospects out, and then you get Bader, who essentially like Walter Chuck right now looks better. Yeah, might end up being better. But stuff-wise, which, again, you're just projecting with these prospects. And once they get into your all system, it's really up to yeah. you and what you do. That might end up being a wash. That could and be a wash. And you just positioned yourself. And, uh, unlike what the team across town did is you've been the best team in baseball a year. You started the struggle. We talked about this last episode. They Here comes the trade deadline. Ben yep. Attendee, Montas, load up the bullpen pieces. Oh, and... Uh, we don't need we don't need Jordan Montgomery. We'll take an elite yeah. defender too.
1: Yep. Exactly. And they like to pinch run and they like to run late in games, right. steal bases. Right. Bader's gonna be able to do that. Rizzo draws a walk in the eighth inning. And you he's can wrong. run Bader, and he's going to steal. I mean, that's what they get out of IKF. Is he gets a lot of stolen bases. They're late in games and tight games because they like to run. They value getting the guy to second base, and that's kind of what they you know build their whole offense on as a whole. But when a guy's getting stolen first base, you got to get him in the scoring position somehow. And then, not to mention, potentially their best deal is getting eight years of Scott Efros. Like this is a guy who right. has rookie eligibility. That is turning around and you're basically taking a rookie, right? Relievers are assets. And I know they are they are very volatile. Volatile as can be. I get it. I get it. But if there's anybody who's not gonna be volatile, it's a guy who throws from low three quarters sidearm slot with not not relying on a ton of VLO, has to command his stuff. Stuff moves at the lead break. He's less likely to get hurt. Because he's not putting as much torque on that arm. And he's going to be there. And he's and even if his stuff isn't as good, guess what? He's an uncomfortable bat, bat for a righty. And at the end of the day, like if that's the, the end of what he is, Darren O'Day made an, a career off of that. Pitched a lot of high leverage innings. So you're getting a guy that, like I said, basically a rookie for... One prospect again. Maybe the Cubs did a good job. That's a pretty high ceiling prospect they got. You know, I know it was the Yankees' seventh best prospect in terms of MLB.com. So, you know, who knows? He could he could replace that for us in, in the long term. But just being able to get a guy that's been good now, his stuff looks good. It's not like it's fluky. His stuff is swing and miss stuff. Right. It's weak contact stuff. He throws a ton of strikes. Like just everything on that deal being able to get them you controlled through 2028 20, who in our right minds could even like people are talking about Juan Soto bringing back a haul because he has three pennant races you've like seven with Efros.
0: yeah I mean they, they just did it can't be said enough they did they did just an unbelievable job and and Brian Cashman who of course has been under some heat past couple of off seasons just has crushed, la- he crushed the offseason. He just crushed the crushed trade the deadline. Um, yep, crushed the offseason. But everyone remember, you never actually know. It's You never know what these guys yes. are going to do and, and, and who's going to take off and you know who's going to really make you know, make the most of it. You wouldn't have said last year at the deadline that the Braves were the big winners, and they were. So you still got to play the games. But, um, yeah, another great trade deadline. This has been great. This has been Episode 2. We'll be back later in the week. Make sure if you're liking what you're hearing to subscribe, like, and rate, and we'll keep bringing you more, more pods.